0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church, entitled, The High Life, Part 3. Enjoy. To the power that works in us. Jesus said the kingdom of God is where? Within you. Freak the Pharisees right out, right? The kingdom of God is within you. So this high life that we're living, Eden, can you give them the high life uh, image there? There's you right there, right? This high life that God has for us, we've learned so far, it begins with a high purpose. You remember the high purpose? Philippians 3.8 and 3.10, to know him, right? That's the reason we get up in the morning. We get up in the morning because we want to grow in our relationship with him. We want to know Him more every day. We want to experience more of His wonders every day. And that's when the high life really begins, when you make knowing Him the motivation for everything you do. Hallelujah. And we know that the high life is not experienced through religion, oh no, but through relationship. Now I'm going to say the word relationship, relationship. Now I'm going to say two words, and I want you to tell me which word you think of as being associated with relationship. Are you ready? Love, law. Which one? Yeah, I didn't even to think about it, right? Well, love, of course. Why? Because relationship is love, right? Law, we don't even think about the law. I don't even know what the marriage laws are. I wanted to marry Jennifer, I didn't care about what the laws were, I wanted to marry her because I loved her, right? She was the, the, the woman that God brought into my life, my my partner, right? My, the, the one that God made, he made us to be together, and I don't know, it wasn't a legal thing. I still don't know what the laws are concerning. Do we have a license? Okay. Actually, we, I, I drove like a maniac to get our license in Pennsylvania. Woo, we broke the law then, didn't we? As I was overseas for a year prior, to, I, mean, I was living in, in Europe. She was in Florida, and our wedding was in Pennsylvania. So for that whole year, she was planning a wedding. From, we were planning our wedding long distance, and I had like a week leave, what two weeks leave, and I came back, and we got all the stuff taken care of, and then we said, wait a minute, we can get our license. And we were in a place probably, what, an hour away from where the courthouse was, out in the country, like by the Amish, at her grandma's house. And we jumped in that car and poof, pedal to the metal, Dukes a hazard. here we go. <laughs> and man, we got there in time. I called them, they waited for us too. But, so we do have a license, which is good. But it's love, isn't it? Look at this Romans 13.10. Boy, we can become legalistic if we're not careful to give attention to his Holy Spirit. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Do you know if we walked in love, you wouldn't need any laws. Now, obviously, we're living in a world, fallen world. Laws are necessary because there are people who have chosen uh, to do damage to themselves and to others. We have to have laws in the natural sense. But in terms of our relationship with God, we're people who've been born again. The love of God's been shed abroad in our heart. And if we just walk in love, man, we're not going to do any wrong to our neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So love goes with relationship, doesn't it? Faith goes with relationship. Grace goes with relationship. I've never once in 21 years of marriage, I've never once woken up and said, Jennifer, you have to be faithful to me today. The law says that you're my wife and you've got to be faithful to me. Because if you don't, that's adultery and you're breaking the law. She's never said that to me. Why? Love. Don't even think like that. We love each other. Right? We don't have to talk about law. I've never, I can't remember any conversation in 21 years or before where we've ever talked about what we have to do for each other. Love, just let it flow, man. You won't have to say a word. Just let love reign. Religion doesn't do that. Religion lets law reign. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And if you're not doing this, I'm not going to do this. And and then you have people's marriages falling apart because love isn't reigning. Legalism or law is. So the high life is not lived by law. It's lived by love. The high life is not lived by law. It's lived by faith. It's lived by grace. Oh, here's a word that's been religified. I've never heard a word. Have you ever heard a word religified before? I think I might have coined the phrase. So I'll tell you what it means. What do I mean by grace has been religified? Well, over, over time, man's religious doctrines have covered the true the trueness of it, the concept and understanding of real grace has been hidden behind man's religious philosophies, and as a result, grace has come in some circles as taught as something that's kind of haphazard or intermittent. You never know what it's going to show up. It's it's um, maybe it has to do with laziness or luck or chance. Right. It's something for people who are weak. But actually, real grace, and I love that an acronym, G-O-R-A-C-E, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. Real grace is God's deliberate, on purpose, fully employed love in action. Real grace is the demonstration of love. It's God's on purpose, deliberate, fully employed thought out, planned long ago, love in action in your life. It's love in action. That's what grace is. And boy, does the Bible have a lot to say about grace. And if you don't understand love in action, if you don't understand grace, you're going to end up living your life in your own strength and not even realize it. And you're gonna be a frustrated person, you're gonna have a frustrated marriage, and you're gonna get mad at people, get mad at your spouse. But the problem is, is you're living life in your own strength. You're not letting love lead the way. It's so simple, and man has made it so difficult. So let's let's grab a hold of the grace of God this morning. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. This is the high life. Love is leading the way. God is taking us higher in every area of our lives because His love has been shed abroad in our hearts. There ain't no law about it. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates, there's grace right there, his own love toward us. That's the definition of grace. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us because we were doing everything right and so pleasing to him. He died for us because he loved us, completely independent of how we were behaving. Right? Now pay attention to this next two words, much more. I want you to see, pay attention how many times this phrase appears in the passage we're going to read. Here's the first time. Much more. Reminds me of uh, Ephesians 3.20, right, that we read earlier. Exceedingly abundantly. Much more than having now been justified. When are we justified? Now. When we get to heaven? Now. No, now. Right? Having now been justified by His blood, not our behavior... We shall be saved from wrath through him. Yeah. His perfect love cast out all fear. That's what's on the inside of my wedding ring. Yes. Right? Is that First John 4, 8? 18. 4, 18. Yeah, his love, perfect love, cast out all fear. All right. Have now been justified. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more. Second time. I think God's trying to say something here. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we someday, we don't know when, no, whom we have now received this reconciliation. Not when we get to heaven. It's ours now. Verse 12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over, how many years was that, by the way, from Adam to Moses? Anybody know? Yeah, a little over 2,000, about 2,500 years, right? All right, so from Adam to Moses... Even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Verse 15. But the free gift, who's the free gift to? You, right? Did it cost you anything? No. But anything that's free costs somebody something, right? So it cost him everything, didn't it, right? It's free to us, but it wasn't him he gave his son. So this free gift is not like the offense, It's way greater, much more. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more, third time, the what? The grace, God's love and action of God. And the gift, there's gift twice, by the grace, gift, grace, much more, love and action of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded. That's a much more word, isn't it? That's an Ephesians 3.20 word. Too many. And the gift, verse 16, is not like that which came through the one who sinned. It's way greater. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift, there it is again, what is that? Four times the word gift is used there. Which came from many offenses resulted in justification, which we know is for right now. Verse 17, here it is. For if by Adam's offense, that's the one man, right? Death reigned through the one much more, four times. Those who receive, if God says much more, four times, I want to pay attention, right? Those who receive abundance of grace, more than enough for every mistake you've ever made, every sin you've ever committed or could ever commit. If it wasn't enough, it would not be an abundance. Don't let the devil fool you into thinking your sin is greater than God's grace. That's a lie. For those who receive the abundance, so we have to receive it, right? We've got to receive his love and action. For those who receive, what about those who don't receive? They don't experience it, right? So this is a decision we all have to make. We have to receive the abundance of his grace and the gift of, of his righteousness, what happens when we receive that? We'll reign in life. The Amplified says reign as kings in life. Why? Because that Greek word means to rule as a king. Majestically. In life through the one Jesus Christ. Well, who are we ruling over? Who are we ruling over? Be good to know that, wouldn't it? Who's subject to us? Satan. Right? Didn't Jesus say in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Didn't he say in Matthew 28, it was like 18 through 20, he said, Behold, all authority in heaven and earth have been given unto me. Go, therefore, right? I'm delegating it to you. Didn't he say in Mark 16, uh, like verse 17, somewhere around there, he said, in, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues, right? That's authority, right? John 14, 12, didn't he say, truly I say to you, if anyone who has a faith in me will do what I have been doing, this is what Romans 5 is talking about, will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Amen. Love that. Love that. So what must we do to begin reigning in life? What must we do for the devil to be subject to us? What does verse 17 say? Receive two things. The abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness. We have to receive those and meditate in them. Get to know them and understand them and grow in the reality of them. So these are the two areas that Satan wants you to keep from growing in. Because if you receive these and grow in them, you're going to take authority over him in your life. Right? When you're in any kind of a fight with any kind of enemy, it's beneficial to understand their strategy, right? To think like they think. So if these two things enable us to reign over him, what two things do you think he's going to want to attack? These two things, right? The abundance of God's grace and the gift of his righteousness. Hallelujah. That reminds me of John uh, 6.29 when they said to Jesus, what must we do to do the works of God? He didn't say fast and pray. He didn't say go to church every day. He said believe on the one whom he has sent. Boy, religion hates that verse. Because religion wants you to work so hard to try and be holy or to try and achieve the things that God has already given you. Freely, freely as far as we're concerned, right? Just believe, just receive the abundance of his grace, the gift of his righteousness. Don't make this difficult. Let God be God in your life. So this is really good news. This changed my whole life forever. Because I I didn't know. I thought maybe I really had a, a lot of work ahead of me to fix myself. Because, boy, I was a very confused young man. I was a drunk young man. I was a a messed up young man. But when I started reading the Scriptures, it changed everything. That by faith, I could be changed. I could be set free from alcohol and, and immorality and wrong thinking and anger and hatred and bitterness just by believing in what Christ has done for me. And, boy, does it work. So in Romans chapter one, this amazing news, there there was a man who used to be the ultimate Pharisee. He was like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of Pharisees, you know, the Pharisee-inator. And he got a hold of this good news and he he just, he gave up everything and went around preaching it. And this is what Paul said, formerly Saul in Romans chapter one, verse 16. He said, man, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ. It's the power of God, right? That God's given us a free gift. He's given us the abundance of his grace, the gift of his righteousness, and what we need to do is receive, believe, and receive it. I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not keeping this quiet. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that goes to church, to everyone that beliefs right we're just reading the Bible we're just letting God be God religion has a hard time doing that but we're going to do it here we're going to let God be God here for therein in this amazing good news is the righteousness of God revealed wow can't get any better than that from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith not by law not by religious tradition. The Living Bible, like how it says, it says the man who finds life will find it through trusting God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Come on, would you just let God set you free? <laughs> just shake it. Would you just let him be the amazing, loving God that he is in your life? Hallelujah. <laughs> so the more of this good news that you receive... The more that you hear it, meditate on it, yes. speak it in your life, the more of the high life you'll experience, the more of God you'll experience, and it comes through this grace. In fact, John chapter 1, this is a, a real real uh, religion buster here. John chapter 1, 17, yeah. This is Jesus talking. Can you handle this? Is it all right? Can we let Jesus talk? All right. For the law was given by Moses. So who does God attribute the law to? Moses. Right? Just read it. But grace and truth came through who? By Jesus Christ. So are we Mosians? Or Christians? Some some Christians act like Mosians, but we're not Mosians. I like to mosey sometimes, but we're not mosey. Now, what's what's interesting about this? Which side is truth on? The side of law or the side of grace? According to God, law is over with Moses. But God pairs grace with truth. Man, that changed my life. I thought truth would be with the law before I knew the scriptures. Right? Truth and law go together. Truth and law go together. And boy, has the church in America at at large been preaching that. Truth and law. Truth and law. Truth and law. Truth and law. Jesus never preached that. Grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth. God's love and action in truth. God's love and action in truth. People think that by preaching law and truth, behavior will improve. But actually, where does the power of sin come from? Ah, you read your Bible. All right, well, they said it comes from, let's take a look at this here. Let's see. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. See, if you try and live the high life, the, God, the, the abundant life God came to, to give you with your own thinking, and according to man's religious tradition, you're going to miss it all. He's so fresh. He's so liberating. Yes. And that's the thing. You can preach law to someone, and for a while, their behavior might change. But sooner or later, something's gonna give. That's why Christians think that because the Ten Commandments we're taking out of school that, that we're in the state that we're in. That's ignorance, It's spiritual ignorance, right? It's because the love of Jesus Christ has not been flowing in marriages, in homes for generations in America that we're seeing what we're seeing in schools. See, I grew up in a home, and I'm not trying to find fault. I'm just sharing with you my life experience. I I lived with my grandpa for a while. He came over from from, uh, another nation when he was seven or eight years old. Very tough man. Very hard, rough man. And I remember him threatening his wife that he was going to crack her skull open with her cane. She was a woman who was plagued with diseases and could hardly walk. And he spoke so harshly to this woman. I'm a little kid listening to this, you know. Why am I telling you that? They stayed married their whole lives. Cuz that was the social norm. Was love there? uh uh-uh. My parents stayed married their whole life and they tore each other apart. So in other words, there are social norms that 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 get eroded over time. America's been how many 200 how many years are we now? 1776 2015 I don't know, 200 some, right? So, but things changed in America since 1776, right? And people drifted from relationship into religion. And so people said, we're gonna, we're, you, you stay married. But there ain't no love in the home, right? And what ends up happening is that, begin, that speaks volumes to the next generation. So we got to stay married, but there's no love. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the people's hearts start to fall apart. And their behavior starts to change, change, and then spiritual ignorance begins to be preached. We need to get the Ten Commandments in school. Well, let's look at the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15. We need moms and dads to love each other is what we need, right? We need moms and dads to love their kids and to walk in love instead of the law. All right, so 1 Corinthians 15, 55, "Oh death, where's your victory? Oh death, where's your sting? Verse 56, the sting of death is sin. and the power of sin <laughs> Wow. Can you handle this? So what does preaching the law produce? Sin, sin. sin. Every. Got to be spiritually wise and not listen to a lot of the ignorance that's proclaimed in our culture. So the power of sin is a lot. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. See, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Now, according to the law, none of us deserve to live. Who knows the law better than us? Satan, right? He's been studying a lot longer than you have. So before Jesus came, Satan had us right where he wanted us. He knew we deserved to die, and there's nothing God could do about it, but Jesus came. And after Jesus rose from the dead and appeared in the heavenly holy of holies and presented his blood, a new law was put into effect. And we find that in Romans chapter 8. Let's read it in verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made us free from the law of sin and death. I want to read it to you out of the message. Yes, hallelujah. A new power is in operation. A new power is in operation. Where in your life, if you'll just believe it, the spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air freeing you from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Woo! One more translation, the Phillips New Testament. I love this. No condemnation now hangs over the head of those who are in Jesus Christ. Put that in the schools and you watch what happens. Put John 3.16 in the schools and let, let young people realize how much God loves them and you watch what happens. John eight two for the new spiritual principle. This was new as of Jesus' ascension into heaven. The news, the acts new spiritual principle of life in Christ. Moses didn't have this. Lifts you out of the old vicious circle of sin and death. There are churches preaching that old vicious circle of sin and death, and I've seen pastors so frustrated with their congregations because, but they don't realize the reason they're seeing what they're seeing is because of what they're preaching we preach the new spiritual principle of life in Christ it's the only thing that can give us the victory There's no clouds hanging over us anymore. Like a strong wind, the new life in Christ has cleared the air everywhere we go and we're seeing clearly now. We're walking in victory now. We're new creations in Christ now. The past is behind us. We're not going back there anymore. All things have become new and all these things are from him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yeah, God, just praise him and worship him. Thank you for new life. Thank you for brand new life. Okay, hallelujah. God, you're so good. Woo! Thank you, God. Thank you for brand new life. Wow. There should be more jumping in church, right? Don't people jump at football games? Well, I mean, but what's that going to do for you? Your team wins. Well, that's nice, but it doesn't change your life. But Jesus ascended for you. Woo! Yeah. Right? He's everywhere I go. That's the touchdown of all touchdowns. Right? Hallelujah. Okay, we got to do this. Um, how we doing? You guys doing good? I want to look at Abraham. We're going we're gonna, to... Uh, this is the last thing we'll do, and then we'll take up our Thanksgiving offering. And then Sue and Ed, they couldn't be here today, but Sue made some homemade pumpkin bread for us, so. And uh, I almost didn't bring it, because it's so good, but I will share it with you. So, but we'll have some coffee and refreshments after. But um, let's, let's, before we close up, I want you to grab a hold of something. I wanna look at Abraham. Why don't we look at Abraham? How long has man been on the earth? Now this is great. If you go back to Adam, you can trace the years that we've been on earth. No other uh, nation or uh, ethnic group of people has such an accurate record of their genealogy like the Hebrews. It's astounding. You can't find it in any other nation anywhere. It is so accurate to the year, right? So if you go back to Adam, and you, and you just add up all the, life's, the, the the years that it says, and you come to today, it's about 6,000 years. Okay, I'm not saying the earth is that old. You know, we don't know what happened prior to Adam. We don't know how long the earth was there prior to Adam and all that stuff. But from Adam to now, we do know it's about 6,000 years, all right? So now check this out. From Adam to Moses, it was about 2,554 years. There was no law in effect. Abraham lived 430 years before the law. No Ten Commandments. The law came into effect with Moses on Mount Sinai, right? Right, right. 2,554 years after Adam. How long was the law in effect? About 1,400 years, about 1,446 years until Jesus and everything changed. This new law was put into effect. How long ago was Jesus? About 2,000 years. You do the math. Out of six thousand years on Earth, only fourteen hundred and forty-six of them were with the law. That's like twenty-four percent of the time we've been here. Why is that important? Life was never meant to be lived by the law. God made us to live by love. And why? Look at Abraham. See, we're of the faith of Abraham, not of Moses. Why I like to look at Abraham is because we get insight into this uh, free relationship that God wants to have with you. Now, Abraham wasn't born again. No one could be born again until Jesus rose from the dead. But we can still learn things from Abraham. For example, the New Testament gives us insight into Abraham's motivation. Let's take a look at this. I love this verse. Stay with me, Eden. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 You can't understand the Old Testament without the New Testament. You can't. But we've got insight into the heart of Abraham. Are you ready? Verse 8 By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing where he was going. This is what we're doing at Highway Church. God called us, and we're going out, and here we are at occasions. Woo! What's next? I don't know, but we're following the Lord. It's exciting to follow him. Whoa, you'll never be bored, that's for sure. Hallelujah. So verse 9, by faith, he sojourned, he traveled, he went forward at the word of the Lord, didn't know where he was going, didn't have it all planned out, didn't have a strategy, a 3, five, 10-year plan, didn't have a retirement plan. He just followed the Lord. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country. Why would someone leave their homeland, leave everything they're familiar with, and go where they don't know where they're going? Why would someone make such a drastic, extreme life decision? Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac Jacob, the heirs of him who had promised. This is the reason why, verse 10. Love this. For he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. That's Ephesians 3.20 right there. He was looking for the exceedingly abundant that God wanted to do in his life. He was determined to be a part of what God wanted to do in the earth. And it moved him to take God at his word and leave everything he was familiar with and travel, sojourn to the place God called him to be. And we are of this faith. He's the father of our faith. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? So I'm looking. And since from 1989, when I got saved, I began looking for churches and ministries who'd let Jesus be Jesus. Who would preach what you're hearing this morning. And I'm going to tell you, it's not easy finding them. I thank God for the body of Christ. And any church that teaches faith in Jesus, thank you. But to find a church, and especially in this area of the nation, where people can learn about the grace and love and salvation of God, that it's available by faith, that's the reason we're here. That's the reason we're here. So here we are. It's our Thanksgiving offering. This is something I was just praying a few weeks ago, and I felt the Lord impressed me to do it. Um, We just moved from Regal to here. Uh, At Regal, we paid uh, behind us. So we paid $500 a week behind us. So when we moved from here to occasions, we were were paying for weeks behind us, and occasions we pay ahead of us. So you get an overlap there. So it's about $4,100, $4,150 overlap. And uh, so we've got uh, the different needs that the Lord is meeting and uh, also the different things that we'll do with the printed materials, signage, uh, contract changes, all those different stuff. You know, you're, you're really looking at close to ten thousand dollars for this move. You say, "How's that happen?" Well, it, you, there's expenses. You know, um, I mean, just the the signs that we're getting, the flags alone is about five, you know four or five hundred dollars right there. And I shop around. I mean, I, I scour the market. I do research and scour the market, make sure I'm getting the best deal. The best deal isn't always the lowest price. You understand that, right? Many people think they're saving money by buying something at the lowest price. They're not because you're getting a poor quality that's not going to last. So I want to get the best deal, the best quality at the best price that's going to do what we need it to do. So anyway, but praise God. We're trusting God for that. And I'm just sharing that with you because uh, w- I want to give you an opportunity to get in on what God's doing here. <laughs> you know, And uh, so where this, is a, this is above our normal tithes and offerings. Okay, this is this is just a, 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 something we're, we're doing because we're so excited about what God's done in our lives. This is a Thanksgiving offering. We're going to celebrate this week. I mean, I think it's great the nation's chosen one day to have Thanksgiving, but every day we have it. Every day's Thanksgiving for us. So there are a number of expenses um, that we're believing God to meet. Um, the, you know, the 4150, the $4,150, um, the other, you know, the printed materials that we've had to redo, the, the, all the, the stuff, uh, audio equipment that we need. We're believing God for all of that, however much it comes to. I think it was around 9000 something last time I added it up. But we're believing God for that. Now, once again, don't ever give out of guilt or fear or think you have to. You, there's no have-tos at Highway Church. None. All we have here is get-tos. We get to. So uh, if you'd like to partake in this this worship, um, uh, let's pass out some envelopes. So if you want to contribute to what the Lord is doing here, you can raise your hand. Again, you can do this on your smartphone, and I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to do it right here with you. It's really cool. Uh, This is my favorite way to worship God uh, with money now is my phone. (laughs) Hallelujah! Exceedingly abundantly. Can you put that Ephesians three twenty up there one more time? Woo! I wouldn't trade His Spirit for anything. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Remember that first thousand dollar offering we gave back in nineteen ninety nine. We bought a home. Now, I, I wasn't studying the markets at that time. I was active duty military. We went from active duty military into full-time ministry. Uh, and I wasn't studying the market. I just felt in my heart, it's time to buy a home. Didn't, didn't really have the finances for it. Uh, if I did the number crunching, I thought, how are we going to afford that? But I felt the Lord saying, go for it. He gave us an amazing deal on a home. I didn't know it, but the market was at, a, at one of the lowest points that it had ever been for many, many, many decades. And we gave our $1,000 offering after that, and then we did several following that. And uh, within three years, the home like doubled in value. (laughs) You know? know? I I wasn't market savvy. I was following the Lord. If you're Holy Spirit savvy, whoo, he'll take care of you, Right? So we want to follow the Lord. So here, I'm going to worship God right now. I'm I'm doing the text giving. I'm just going to punch in my number, use this network for what it should be used for. Here we go. Pow. Awesome. I just did it. God, you're awesome. So let's worship him. Let's do this in faith. Let's believe God for great, exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think things in every area of our lives. Jen, come on up here. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We love you. We worship you. We give you praise. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. What a celebration we're having today. And what a feast we're having this week in honor of you. Thank you for this new life. Father, we worship you right now. We listen to you, Holy Spirit. We're not afraid. Speak to our hearts. What would you have us do right now? What would you have us do? Hallelujah. What would you have us do right now? We hear you, Lord. Yes. And we respond with love and action. Yes. In Jesus' name, let's worship Him. Amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life.